Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. More importantly, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Daniel Rave, who is Professor of Indian and Comparative Philosophy at Tel Aviv University in Israel. And we're speaking about a fascinating 2020 Bloomsbury publication, uh, Daya Krishna and 20th Century Indian Philosophy. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Who is this? Who is this Daya Krishna? Who is this figure uh, that your book is about, and and how on earth did you end up writing about him? Yeah. So, who is Daya Krishna? First, of course, the book uh, aims to answer the question. I mean, in a philosophical way, not uh, it's not about it's not an intellectual uh, biography. It's a dialogue with with one of the most interesting philosophers in the second half of the 20th century. And and you must have noticed that I didn't say Indian philosophers in the second half of the 20th century, I said philosophers. Um, So so the book tries to to create a dialogue with different aspects of of, of his writing. And later I'll tell you what are the different aspects. How did you end up studying this figure? Tell us a little bit about the backstory. How did that yeah, happen? The, the backstory. So there are two backstories. One backstory is that I, I studied philosophy. I was an MA student at uh, Tel Aviv University, a studio of, student of philosophy. And one day, by, chan- by chance, I found a book at the library, which is not far from where I'm sitting right now, the Soraski Library. At the, the, the section of philosophy, I found a book titled Indian Philosophy, A Counter Perspective. And, and really by chance, I, I took the book out and started to read it. And there was something about the book, not only the content of the book, but, but the way it was written. And, the, and I was totally captured, you know, as a student of philosophy to, to, to something that, that you can call uh, the questioning tone of, of that Krishna in, in the book. Uh, looking backwards, I can try to theorize through Daya Krishna. Daya Krishna makes a distinction between thinking and thought. Thinking is something that constant, constant, constantly happens, and thought is the product of thinking. So you can you can feel, and I'm telling you, I'm telling the listeners, I'm actually recommending the book. Uh, you you can you can you can hear Daya Krishna through the book. And, uh, and I was totally captured, as I told you. And, uh, and since I was young and naive and romantic, to some extent, I still am, I thought to myself that next time that I'm in India, I'll try to find uh, this man, this philosopher, this uh, thinker. And uh, not too long after, I, I found myself, I found myself. I went, I traveled to, to, to Jaipur, and I didn't know anything about that, Krishna. I mean, it was... It was before, I mean, you know, the internet was what it is today. 
And I didn't write anything. I didn't write to him. I just came one day to his, to his door in Jaipur. Actually, I went to the Department of Philosophy at the University of Rajasthan, and I asked for his address. And, and, and one day, I mean, that day in Jaipur, on a steamy August day, I knocked on his door, and, uh, and he opened the door. I didn't know that he was already retired. I didn't know that he wrote something like 20 books. I didn't, I really didn't know anything. My Sanskrit was, was bad. My Hindi was, was bad. Everything, I mean, it was just a, a coincidence. Or you can say, you can say that it was a, a if not a coincidence, you can say a, an accident. I saw that you're interested in the Mahabharata. You know that the Mahabharata, the, the, the narrative of the Mahabharata goes from one accident to another. So this was definitely an accident. And he opened the door, he said, yes, an old man wearing white kurta pajamas saying yes. And I was so, you know, I was shy and excited. And then I said something like, I read your book. And he told me, which book? And I couldn't remember the title. So then he told me, look, I'm really busy. Come back in the evening. And he closed the door in my face. But I came back in the evening. And in truth, I stayed in Jaipur for almost uh, 10 years. Uh, Dara Krishna became uh, one of the supervisors of my, my, my PhD. Um, and, and I was, I became a part of, of, a, of an intellectual milieu that, that Dara Krishna was part of. And this book, this book was in my mind for a very long time. Dara Krishna passed away in 2007, in October 2007. And, uh, and it took me time you know, to write, to write the book as it is, as a philosophical dialogue with him, highlighting his, 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 his projects. And, and, and I want to say two more things before I, I tell you something about these uh, projects. Um, the, the first thing is that, that the, the book is connected to a website, a website that I did not create. It was created by... by by two younger colleagues of mine, Dom Miller from Tel Aviv University and Elis Kokero from Vienna and GNU. It's called Da Krishna, the Open Library. And, and most, almost all of Da Krishna's writings, both in English and in Hindi, uh, are available on this uh, website. Just, just type uh, Da Krishna on Google and probably Wikipedia will come first and the Open Library will come second. And, and the purpose of, of my book is to, 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 to be a temptation, to work as a temptation for the readers to read the Dara Krishna firsthand. And, and now it is, a, it, is, it is possible and available through the work of, of, of these younger colleagues, but also through the generosity of the family that get the permission to, to, to put everything online. So Dara Krishna, the open library, that's where the real thing is. My book is just a window or a gate to, to, to Dark Krishna's uh, writings. Fascinating. So, I'll tell you about the projects, about the three, the three, the three projects. So, 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 so Dark, Dark, Dark Krishna wrote without end. I mean, the, 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 the corpus is huge. And, and my book focuses on the, on the last decade of, of his life, from the late 1990s until he passed away in 2007. The reason is both that I was there and, and I, I had the, the privilege of discussing with him many of the writings that I'm engaging with in my book. But the second reason is that this was the, the, 
this was uh, the most prolific decade of his writing life. So I think that it's not that I'm, I'm ignoring previous writings, but I think that, you know, that the, the, the most, uh, quote-unquote, mature, in, in the best sense, in the, in the philosophical sense, so the mature Dara Krishna uh, can, be, can be seen or can be heard, heard through his uh, writings and lectures in this uh, last decade. So, so Dara Krishna, his first book was published in uh, 1955. It's, it's, it's actually his PhD dissertation that was submitted to the University of Delhi. The title is, uh, is The Nature of Philosophy. And it's, it's basically a dialogue and a critique of European philosophy at the time. European philosophy, as it was read, you know, in, in, in Indian universities, uh, he studied at, at, at the Hindu College, Delhi University, which was a wonderful uh, academic uh, institution at the time. It's not a, it's, it's a good institution. Even today, as you know, what we, I mean, we spoke about it before you started to record. Um, and then Dara dedicated 20, 30 years of his thinking and writing life to, 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 social, to social and political philosophy. Dara Krishna was, was, was theorizing socially and politically for India after, after the, the, the independence. And, the, and, and, and he did it in two ways. One way was to, quote unquote, bend or, quote unquote, calibrate. Western theory for India. I'm borrowing the, the phrases to, to bend or to calibrate from uh, Raghuram Raju. I don't know if you know the writings of Raghuram Raju, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful, a really wonderful. And I'm using the word wonderful quite a lot. I'm not, I'm not giving these, complica- these compliments so easily. So if I'm saying a uh, wonderful, I really, I really feel that, that Raghu is a, is a wonderful thinker of our time. Is writing and teaching these days in Tirupati, uh, South India. So Raghu is using this term to bend. What does it mean to bend Western theory or European theory for India? It means that, that it means two things. It means first that India has its own, you know, specific, uh, unique features. And when we, when we speak about, uh, about society and polity, we think, of course, first, Apropos society about the caste system, and when we think about the polity, we think about decolonization. I mean, the political edge in Dara Krishna's writing is very clear, and 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 this is the reason that he cannot adopt, he cannot take, he cannot use Western theory. He needs to to do something with 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 Western theory. When Raghu explains the the use of the of the verbs to 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 calibrate or to bend. It's interesting, he says, I, I work in Tirupati. There are so many monuments in Tirupati. I don't need, I don't need European monuments to be added to my, to quote unquote, my uh, monuments. So I think that, that Dara Krishna was, was, was doing this. He was quote unquote uh, bending. And bending is, is also interesting because you have to be very gentle. If you are not gentle, gentle when you bend, even textually, philosophically, it might break. And the second, the second way, the second trajectory that Krishna is writing about social and political philosophy is to look for uh, classical sources, for classical Indian sources, and primarily Kautilya's uh, Artha Shastra. And this connects. I'm not. I'm not letting you ask me, ask me anything, uh, Raj. 
maybe you want to say something. I just finished my sentence. Uh, I said the Kautilya's uh, Artha Shastra. But the point is that one of Daya Krishna's lifelong, or, or not lifelong, but since he started to, to write and to think philosophically, so one of his lifelong or, or adult, adult lifelong uh, struggles was, was to, to free Indian philosophy from the, the, from the, from the jaws of, of spirituality, of religiousness, of moksha. For Daya Krishna, Indian philosophy is not subordinated to the spiritual quest. It doesn't mean that Daya Krishna was not interested in, in, in freedom or in freedoms, but but the 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 but the the you know the, the narrative that Western philosophy is rational and Indian philosophy or Indian culture or India at large is spiritual. He was trying to to break this uh, this dichotomy, this uh, this binary, which unbelievably still prevails as I'm talking to you now. So the first project was 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 theorizing socially and politically for the newly created uh, India. Should I this dichotomy, <laughs> as you wish, it's a conversation yeah, uh, uh, geared towards um, uh, making aware of the, the, the primary content of your book to encourage folks to engage it as they like. Um, but as your book is centered around this fascinating figure, uh, of course it makes sense to continue and talk about him and his work. Just a quick note. Um, that dichotomy about which you speak is very much alive today. Um, teach online courses um, at the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. And one of the courses I've taught since joining there every semester is a course on Hindu philosophy. And the, char the characterizations of philosophy in India versus the West, uh, the assumptions about each, um, this caricature is prevalent yet. So, so it is interesting and important work that he is engaging. Please continue. Okay. So apropos the dichotomy, I just want to add that for that Krishna, there is no one center of Indian philosophy. There are, there are several centers. And the centers that are as important for him are, first of all, philosophy of language, and secondly, political and social philosophy. So according to him, to... to to focus on Indian philosophy only through the, the, the lens of spirituality is simply, is simply misleading. Um, I was talking about these three projects. So the first project was the, the political social project. The, the second project um, that actually I, I came to Jaipur when he was, when he was working on the, on, the, on the second and the third project projects. The second project was uh, rereading classical Indian, uh, Indian sources with new eyes. Rereading uh, classical Indian sources with, with new eyes. So, so, so the list of texts that Dagrishna was, was, was working on, I tried to explain what, what new eyes mean in, in, in a second. But, but Dagrishna wrote a, a, his own reading or, or, or interpretation for, for, for for a long list of, of classical sources, for uh, Shankara's uh, Brahma Sutra Bhashya, meaning Shankara's uh, commentary on, on the Brahma Sutra. And he wrote on the, on the Nyaya Sutra, the Mimansa Sutra, the Yoga Sutra. I don't know if the listeners are, are, are acquainted with, with the names. He wrote on the, on the Bhagavata Purana. 
a very interesting article, which is called Listen, Raj. The title of the paper was, Did the Gopis really love Krishna? Did the Gopis really love Krishna? It's a, it's a, <clears throat> it's a paper on, on, on emotions, on philosophy and the emotions. And he's trying to connect bhakti and rasa. Bhakti is, is devotion and rasa is the, the, the aesthetic emotions. And, and the crux of the, of the paper is that, that the gopis at some point did not need Krishna anymore. The object, was, the object of love became a hurdle for love as, as, a, as, as, an, as an abstract emotion. So, so, but, but to write the paper, he was reading very closely the, the, the Bhagavata Purana, and, and the, I, I won't give the full, I mean, I can't give the full list of the text that, that Dara Krishna was reading closely. Um, but I mentioned the last one. The last one was the Rig Veda. The last text that Dara Krishna was working on in 2005, 6, 7, and, and actually passed away in the middle of, of his work on the, on the Rig Veda. He called it the, the, Jaipur, the Jaipur edition of the Rig Veda. He was quite old at the time. He passed away at the age of 83. So think of an 80-year-old sharp mind sitting in Jaipur with, with, with scissors and the Rig Veda text and literally, literally cutting and pasting the, 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 the most sacred text of, of the Indian uh, or the Hindu tradition, whatever you want to call it. And, and he, he wanted to rearrange the, the Rig Veda according to the rishis. According to according not to the devtas, not to the to the divinities that the that the suktas, the, the, the songs, the hymns are, are are addressed to, but according to, to the to the poets. And, and, and it, it was it was not published until today. I hope that it will it will be it will be published. But he wanted to emphasize the, the let's call it the human dimension of, of the rishis and the rishikas, the male and the female uh, uh, poets of the Rig Veda and the idea that, that, that we, can, we can play philosophically, we can play intellectually with the most uh, sacred texts. I think that, that, that it's, a very, it's a very brave move, not only within the Indian context. I mean, take the, the, the Old Testament, the Bible, the Torah, take the Quran, take the New Testament and, and, and cut it with, with scissors or cut it with, with your, you know, with, with, with your computer. I, I don't think that the, the traditions until today would be very open to, to, such a, to such a move. But the idea was, you know, that, that when we speak today about reading, you know, apropos post-modern uh, post readings, we talk about opening the text. So that Krishna, that Krishna was literally opening the text, you know, with, with scissors. So, so the second project is rereading uh, classical Indian sources. Maybe I should give more examples. You know, you know, uh, Shankara, the biggest name of, of classical uh, Indian philosophy, or at least one of the biggest names. I mean, the Buddhists might, might, might think that he's not the biggest name or, or the Jainas or whoever. So one of the, the, the biggest names, we are talking about the seventh century or the eighth century. Uh, so, 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 so Shankara writes a commentary to an earlier text called the Brahma Sutra, which is supposed to be a summary of the, the Upanishadic corpus. And Shankara writes a very interesting introduction to, to his commentary on that uh, previous uh, text. 
And you have to realize, I'm telling not Raj, I'm telling the listeners, you have to realize that, that when you write philosophy in India, as a commentator in the 7th or 8th century, you are not as free as we, are we really free today? As we can be free today, as we try to be free today. So, so the introduction is the place where Shaka is, is, is free to write what he wants to write. He's not uh, attached yet. He's not committed yet to the verses of the text that he's going to, 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 to comment on. And, and, and Shaka writes on, on the notion of, as Raj knows, and he writes about the notion of Adyasa. Uh, Adyasa is, 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 is the, 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 the mechanism of our gaze. This would be my explanation of, of, of the notion of Adyasa. But that Krishna reads uh, Shaka's first sentence in the, in the introduction, where he's free to do what he wants. And Shankara writes, as every student of Indian philosophy would know, the, the, he says, the subject and the object are different. The subject and the object, the object, the vishaya, the subject, vishayim, the subject and the object are different from one another like day and night. And that Krishna thinks to himself, this is a strange opening for the Brahma Sutra of Asha, because, because Adyasa, the error, Adyasa can, can also be translated, if you wish, as an error, as an, as an epistemic, a calm existential error. So Adyasa, according to Shankara, the champion of Advaita, of non-duality, should be actually to, to make the, the distinction. If you make a distinction between I and you, between subject and object, this should be the error. But Shankara starts the introduction by saying, but, 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 but by saying that you have to make a distinction, that if you are not making the distinction, this is the error. So, so that Krishna writes a paper called A Non-Advaitic Beginning to the Brahma Sutra of Bhashya. And, and, and you know, you know, you know that he, 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 was, he, was, he was reading these texts and he was raising, raising these, uh, these questions. And, and, and I don't really have, you know, the time to, to, to tell you about, about many interesting questions that he raises. He speaks, he speaks, for example, about the notion of karma. The karma is, 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 is not giving space for the other. The karma is, is a, monadic, a, a monadic jail, something like this. And, 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 you know, he was always raising these questions that no one uh, raised before him. I always thought that there is some jadu. There is some magic in his, in his glasses. And you know, I used to, to sneak when, when, when he left his desk. I used to sneak to his desk and, 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 and wear and use his, his glasses to see if I can read the texts and, and discover, you know, the, 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 the new things that, that, that he discovered in these uh, new texts. One of his, one of his uh, books at that time is called the Nyaya Sutra, a new commentary on an old uh, text, etc., etc. I can't give, uh, I mean, more, more examples, of course, are, are in my book. And I want to speak uh, briefly on the third project. The third big project of, of, of Da Krishna as a thinker, as a philosopher. <clears throat> um, the, the, the third project uh, he titled the Samvad Project the Samvad project. Now the word Samvad or Samvada in, in Sanskrit means dialogue, but the prefix Sam means that it's a, it's a, 
It's a collaborative dialogue. It's not a, you know, it's not a debate. It's not a, it's not a vada, you know, like, like the vada in King Janak's court in the third chapter of the Bradaranika Upanishad, that everyone wants to win. And there's a price, you know, for, for the winner, a thousand cows, I don't know, decorated with, with gold. So Dakishna was not, not interested in, com- in a competition. He was interested in a, in a collaborative uh, dialogue. And this was a dialogue between two groups of contemporary Indian uh, philosophers. One group was academic, philosoph- uh, academic uh, professors, and the other group was, was, was the pundits, the classicists that think and write. Even then, it started in the mid-1980s, even then, but also you can, but even today, that still think and write in Sanskrit. So these are two, two intellectual cultures that live side by side in India until today. I don't think that, the, the, that, that many people read the pandits. Uh, um, you know, there, there are different stigmas on behalf of the pandits about uh, the, 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 the Western trained philosophers and, and, and the opposite stigmas by the, the academic professors about the pandits. And each of these groups is, is basically not interested in the work of, of, of the others. It's like two neighbors, door next to door, you know, do, do, two doors, and none of them knows what's happening in the, in the, in the next room. And Dayakrishna had the, 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 the authority to, 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 to bring together these two groups of, of, of philosophers, these two group, groups of thinkers. I don't know, you, you know, today, I, I don't know if, if, you, if you understand what, what I mean when I said that he had, he had the authority. I mean, he was so famous at the time in India and, and people appreciated his work. They wanted to, to, to collaborate with him. So no one, no one could say no to this uh, invitation. And the, and the Savad project was, was actually carried out through a series of, of meetings in different places in, in India. There is a sense of hospitality, of hospitality at the realm of ideas. The, the pandits were, 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 were providing hospitality. That Krishna was providing hospitality to their, to their thinking. Um, several publications came out of, 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 of the, Samvad, the, the Samvad meeting. Meetings, one of them is called Samvad, the first uh, meeting in Pune, 1983, on philosophy of language. Later, there was a meeting at, uh, at Brindavan on philosophy and the emotions. It came out, I mean, the protocols the, of, 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 the meet, of the meetings, it was like a, a week-long uh, seminar or, 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 or event, intellectual event. So, so this came out in a book called, uh, called uh, Bhakti. Uh, there was another meeting on, on, on uh, Kashmir Shaivism, in Srinagar, uh, there were other meetings. Again, I can't give the, 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 full, uh, the full list, but, but, but I'm writing about the Samvat project uh, very elaborately in my, in my book, not about the story, I mean, where they met, and, and, but about the, the content, the content of, or the contents of, of these meetings. And, I, and I'm highlighting two things. First, one of the, the most interesting for me texts that came out of, the, of these, these meetings, a, a paper, a paper in, in, in Sanskrit uh, by, by Pandit uh, Badrina Chukla. I don't know, Raj, if you know uh, Badrina Chukla. Uh, he was a, a famous uh, Navya Nayaika from Banaras, 
he wrote a paper following a meeting in Sarnath. He wrote a paper called Dehat Mavad, or Dehat Mavada, if you want, in Sanskrit. Deha Atma Vada. The body, the body is the soul. The body is the Atman. It was translated to, to, to English by, by, again, I'm using the word uh, wonderful, by a wonderful contemporary philosopher called Mukun Lark, who passed away this last, uh, this last uh, August. A wonderful uh, pandit, a wonderful uh, translator, uh, one of my teachers. So, so Mukund, Mukunji, as we used to call him, translated the Badrina Chukla's The Hat Mavad. And, and, and I'm discussing the, the, this paper. This paper is again available on this website, on dakrishna.org, Dakrishna, the open library. It is available both in, in Sanskrit and in the English uh, translation of, of Mukunji. And, uh, and I'm trying to open a window, a window that, that Da Krishna opened. Actually, I'm, I'm following his foot, footsteps, a window to, to, to the Pandit way of thinking. What is the Pandit way of thinking? How, 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 how do Pandits, I mean, of course, you cannot uh, generalize, but, but still, in a general way, how do Pandits uh, think and work and write? The, the, the paper that I'm talking about is written in the form of 32, I mean, it starts with a statement, the body is the soul, which is a wonderful uh, statement because it raises a lot of objections. And, 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 and Badriana Chukla, Padit Badriana Chukla raises himself 32 objections to, to the statement, the body is the soul, and answers each of these objections uh, one by one. And, and if you read them, I mean, I'm quoting some of them and I'm, I'm discussing some of them. But if you read Badrina Chukra's paper, you, you come to realize that, that I don't have to call it the Pandit way of thinking or classicist way of thinking of one of the classicist ways of thinking in India today, but also, but also in the past has to do with this dialogue. The philosopher has to write the Purva Pakshin, the objector. You have to write the objections to your own, to your own position. And, and I think that if you look deeply into Badrina Chukla's uh, paper, you realize that the philosopher is, 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 is like a puppeteer working with, with two puppets. And I'm using the, the word puppeteer and puppets in, 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 a very, uh, in a very positive sense. Is there a negative sense to, to puppeteer and puppets? Um, I mean, he's using the, the, the Siddhantin and the Purva Pakshin, the asserter and the objector as two voices. It's actually a duet that the philosopher is, is writing through two, two figures, two protagonists. And the last thing that I will say before I would like to ask me something is that, uh, that, that I think, I mean, looking back at Akishna's uh, thinking, writing, corpus, you, you can see that, that himself was, was, was influenced by, by, the, by the work of the pandits that he met that he encountered, not for the first time, but, 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 but very intimately, you can say, for the first time during the, the, the Samvade meetings. And I think that his, his writing developed in a, slightly, in a slightly different way afterwards. He came to these meetings as a quote-unquote Western philosopher, as an Indian philosopher trained in, in, in Western philosophy. 
again, I'm using uh, generalizations and, and uh, I mean, you know, uh, I'm, I'm too schematic. That Krishna had, I mean, you Sanskrit, he studied Sanskrit in school. He has BA in Sanskrit. I mean, it's not the case that for the first time he met the pandits during the Samvade project, but he was a modernist. He was trying to get out of the, to, to break out of the tradition. And it was, it was in a way, you know, closing the circle, coming back to the tradition. And I think that this, this can be of interest, you know, not again, not only in the Indian context, this is what happened in Europe. This is what happened in Israel, the, the, the Moderna and, and what happened, you know, after the Moderna, what after, what happened after the modernist wave. Okay. Would you say that he was successful in this conversational project? What would you say was the fruit? Would you say that this is a trajectory that, um, uh, how, to, how to say, uh, is, 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 is there an impact to his methodology in, in this type of conversation? Yeah. This is your first question, such a difficult question. I thought that you would start with, with more uh, easy questions. Whether Krishna was, uh, was uh, successful. So I'll give you two answers. Um, it's, it's, it's a difficult question about success in, in a philosophy. My first answer is that sometimes failures, sometimes philosophical failures are very fruitful. This would be my first, uh, my first uh, answer. Um, my second answer would be, would go deeper you know, into the question of what, what, what does it mean to be successful? Where are the pundits and the philosophers, or the, philosoph the pundits are also philosophers, where are the pundits and the professors today? Are there still meetings between, uh, between pundits and, and professors? Did Dakishna manage to, to break the ice? Did Dakishna succeed in creating something new in Indian philosophy, which is what he writes you know, in the introduction to the first book that came out of the project that, that he, aims, he aims to do? I don't know if 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 he if he, if, he, if he succeeded in this sense. Unfortunately, 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 the the the, the negative, the horrible word partition, is part of our lives in, in in many ways. And I think that in this case, it's a matter of 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 of, a, of an intellectual partition that was created by and large by the intervention of the Britishers. You know that the Britishers supported financially newly created the universities, which were which were teaching English and teaching uh, European or English materials. And you know that the the the, the Sanskrit institutions became uh, you know they were no no longer considered as 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 the good uh, institutions. And I think that Dakishna was trying to 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 change the balance. Because, because the pandits, uh, the pandits, the pandits are are are, are often uh, are often perceived by the arrogant uh, professors as 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 dinosaurs, as doing as repeating what was was done in the in the medieval uh, time, etc. etc. And that and that Krishna manages to 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 reveal the creativity, the creativity of 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 the pandits. And, and many questions, I gave the example of Badana Chukla's uh, paper, The Body is the Soul. Uh, it raises many questions beside the question of, of, of the body. The body, only an Israeli can say body. I mean, probably you're, you're pronouncing uh, 
the body or something like this. But still, remember that I'm an Israeli, that I'm not a Westerner, I'm not an Indian. I'm somewhere in between, right? The Middle East as a bridge between uh, the, the so-called West and, and, and the subcontinent. So, so bringing back the body into the, the, the philosophical discourse. I mean, we, 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 we talk so much about Merleau-Ponty, etc. Look at, uh, at Badrin Achukla, who never read, of course, uh, Merleau-Ponty. And also the question about, about free thinking, free thinking within the tradition and outside the tradition. Badrin Achukla belonged to, to, to a school, to a Darshana, to, to, to the Navian Yaya. Many, I, mean, I mean, often the, the schools uh, look, look nowadays as some kind of, 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 of a limitation. I don't want to say a jail, an, an intellectual jail. But you know, I mean, you know, Raj, that, that often the, the harshest criticism at the tradition comes from within the tradition itself. And I think that, that, that these, these points are, 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 are becoming transparent through, through the Samvad project. Um, first of all, regarding your pronunciation, I happen to uh, work and live in probably statistically the world's most diverse city, Toronto. So words are pronounced a variety of ways. And 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 what better way to evidence that we are in the Kaliuga than the internationally accepted language is the most textured and, and, and variegated and, and uh, most difficult to learn, most irregular grammatically. Um, in many ways, yeah, antithesis of the language of the gods, so to speak. So not to worry. Secondly, regarding my questions, they're always sort of naive, scenic root, uh, generative questions rather than uh, conclusive questions. And I always like to hear the perspective of people who have spent far more time on, on these topics than I have. So thank you for engaging, um, engaging that. Because in so doing, you point to, you point to, the, the fact that this tension is very much alive and the struggle is very much uh, there, both for, for um, heritage learners and for scholars and for the average lay person who doesn't know who to listen to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so thank you very much. Um, we are nearing the end of our time for today, but I wondered, um, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to ask you a question about, about, about uh, what you feel is the, is the uh, the takeaway of, of 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 the contributions of this vast thinker? But that may well be a rabbit hole that we cannot escape from once we go down it. Uh, if you want to touch on that, you may. But we certainly want to know what are you working on now? Like, are you are you still working on this figure? What's what's the next step after this book? Yeah. Um, actually, my my my, my Daya book is is part of a of a larger. Uh, a larger project that uh, that uh, you know come, comes into into expression in different uh, papers and also in two books that I'm working on now, which which is which is contemporary Indian philosophy. I think that usually when we think about 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 India, we think about the classical Indian philosophy. And if you talk from within India and in Indian in Indian universities, you talk either either about classical Indian philosophy or ancient Indian philosophy or about Western philosophy. But, but contemporary Indian philosophy or 20th century Indian philosophy is totally neglected. And I think that it's an interesting philosophical genre 
not just a philosophical, you know, a historical period, but, but actually a genre of philosophy in the sense that it corresponds simultaneously with classical sources and with, with Western sources. So it's, it is interdisciplinary, it is inherently interdisciplinary. So if you really want to read that, Krishna, you need to know something about, about classical sources in, in India, and you need to know something about the Western philosophy. You need to know something about Marx. You need to know something about Freud. You need to know something about Shankara. You need to read the Upanishads. You need and you need and you need and you need. And I think that, that we are now in a, in a phase, in a phase where, where we can think about global philosophy. Previously, you know, you know, you were talking about comparative philosophy. And by the way, usually the question which 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 I'm asked when I talk about the book, I don't I don't mention only Dayakrishna. I mention Dayakrishna and other interlocutors. I mention Kalidas Bhattacharya, Casey Bhattacharya, Mukundlat, Rajendra Swarup Bhatnagar. I mention I mention living philosophers. We don't have to to write only on dead philosophers. I mention a, a, a wonderful political philosopher like, like Gopal Guru, for example, in, 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 in a chapter which is dedicated to, to social and political uh, philosophy. Um, so, so usually I'm asked, but where, where are Matilal and Mohanty? How come Dumal uh, Krishna Matilal and Jain Mohanty are not part of your book? And, and Mohanty and Matilal became famous in the West they were the, the, I don't know, they were the, the fathers of, of, I don't know if the fathers, but they were, they were key figures in comparative philosophy. In, 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 in discussing Indian philosophy on the one, one hand and Western philosophy on the other hand, and trying to, to, to get some recognition in the West for, for Indian philosophy, trying to show that Indian philosophy is as much philosophical as, as, as Western philosophy. But, but we are beyond this uh, stage, I feel, I think, I believe, uh, right now we can think about global philosophy through, through a thinker like Dara Krishna. Dara Krishna read everything. And, and having read everything, he writes independently, drawing on, on, on all these, uh, all these uh, philosophical sources. So, but you asked me about what, what I'm doing uh, right now. So I'm editing a book with two colleagues on the philosophy of Casey Bhattacharya, the, the biggest name of Indian philosophy in the first half of the 20th century, Krishna Chandra Bhattacharya. Everyone knows uh, his, his manifesto, Stuarajin Ideas. Very few read, read, read his full uh, corpus. So one book is, is an edited volume on, on, on Casey Bhattacharya. Uh, and, and the book that I'm writing these days is, is, is another uh, dialogue, another intimate dialogue with another uh, 20th century or the second half of the 20th century uh, philosophical, Indian philosophical figure, Ram Chandra Gandhi. I don't know if you, if you did you read anything by, by, by Ram Chandra Gandhi? Ram Chandra Gandhi or Ram, Ramubhai, as we used to call him, the grandson of the famous say, Mahatma, a very interesting uh, commentator, both of the, the Mahatma and of classical Indian sources, trained in Oxford. So, so, so I'm trying to, to, to move forward with, with global philosophy. Fascinating. We'll certainly have to have you back on the podcast when the volume is out. Um, thank you very much for speaking with us today. Thank you for inviting me, Raj. 
So for those of you listening, um, we have been speaking with Dr. Daniel Rave, who is Professor of Indian and Comparative Philosophy at Tel Aviv University in Israel. We've been speaking with him about his brand new Bloomsbury book, um, Daya Krishna and 20th Century Indian Philosophy, a book about this um, fascinating philosophical uh, figure. Until next time, uh, stay safe, keep reading, keep listening, and keep contemplating Indian philosophy. Take care.